This is the Chamber Chat Podcast, the show dedicated to chamber professionals to spark ideas and to get actionable tips and strategies to better serve your members and community. And now your host, he thinks positive affirmations are important and you are awesome. He's my dad, Brandon Burton. Hello, Chamber Champions. Welcome to the Chamber Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Burton, and it is my goal to introduce you to people and ideas to better help you serve your Chamber members and your community. Our title sponsor for this episode is Holman Brothers Membership Sales Solutions. Is your Chamber struggling to drive the revenue it needs to support your initiatives? It's a common problem, and one that our new title sponsor, Holman Brothers Membership Sales Solutions, knows a lot about. Doug and Bill Holman aren't just sales consultants, they're real live chamber guys with 20 plus years of chamber leadership experience. They know how to diagnose and solve member recruiting issues faster and better than anyone else, and they're ready to put that knowledge to work for you and your chamber. Call the Holman Brothers today at 619-852-1391 or check them out at holmanbros.com. That's H-O-L-M-A-N-B-R-O-S.com. Our guest for this episode is Leonardo McClarty. He is the president and CEO of the Howard County Chamber of Commerce in Maryland. His specific duties are largely centered in four distinct areas, organizational leadership and business development, marketing and program management, public policy and community relations, and fiscal management. Prior to coming to Howard County, Leonardo was Director of Economic and Community Development for the City of York, Pennsylvania, where he was responsible for promoting the city to the private sector in efforts to foster economic investment and neighborhood redevelopment. Within his purview were Bureaus of Economic Development, Health, Housing, and Planning Permits and Zoning. A native of the Atlanta area, Leonardo served as president and CEO of the DeKalb Chamber of Commerce for nearly 10 years. A career economic development professional, Leonardo has also worked for the city of Roswell, Georgia, DeKalb County, Georgia, and the Georgia Department of Community Affairs. He holds an undergraduate degree in political science from Furman University and a graduate degree in city and regional planning from Clemson University. He's a certified chamber executive through ACCE, certified economic development finance professional through the National Development Council, and is a graduate of the U.S. Chambers Institute for Organizational Management. Leonardo is married to Shanika, and they have three daughters. Leonardo, I'm excited to have you with me today here on Chamber Chat Podcast. I'd like to give you an uh, opportunity to say hello to all the chamber champions that we have out there listening and share something interesting about yourself so we can all get to know you a little bit better. Thank you, Brandon, for having me and and definitely looking forward to this conversation and and this chat. Um, Always enjoy talking about the profession and, and just my experiences and things I've perhaps have been able to do or witness and even just learning just as we have these dialogues. And so I guess something maybe interesting, uh, you know, former college football player, played uh, running back uh, for Furman. And so definitely I'm a paladin. And so uh, continue to to root on my alma mater, which plays in the Southern Conference. And then while there, also had a radio show. And so uh, my roommate and I, we, uh, we had a, a hip hop show back in the uh, 
the early 90s. And so it seems to be a long time ago now. That's right. <laughs> but uh, that's a little bit about me that maybe some folks wouldn't know. That was the, the good old days of hip hop right there. <laughs> yeah, it, it actually, it, it actually, you know, was. It's funny. Sometimes, I'm, uh, you know, you're sounding old. When you, when you start saying, oh, I don't listen to that anymore. I don't listen to this anymore. You know, I guess the same way that our parents talked about, you know, they was, I guess sometimes they were stuck in the 70s and I feel like I'm maybe stuck in the 90s. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I, I catch myself doing the same thing as I see like TikTok and stuff, you know, all these yes. new social media things and like, what a waste of time, you know, and, you know, older generations are looking at Facebook saying the same thing. So it's, it, it, it happens with every generation, you know, it, yeah. it was rock and roll was going to be the downturn of society and, you know, we're still here. So <laughs> yep, it is, it is. Well, share with us a little bit about the Howard County chamber just to give us some perspective before we jump into our topic today, I'd like to get an idea of, you know, staff yep. and size of your chamber budget, that sort of thing. Yeah. So, uh, so Howard County chamber, uh, we're here in actually Columbia, Maryland. And so, Columbia is uh, actually situated uh, in the greater Baltimore area. And so we're right around the I-95 corridor. We're roughly about maybe 15 miles or so um, south of Baltimore. And then we're about 30 miles or so, um, I guess that would be uh, north of uh, D.C. And so um, if, if anything, as a community, probably in particular Columbia, really grew heavily um, in the 80s and, and kind of part of it was because it was it kind of served as a good in-between place between Baltimore and D.C. and for those that may, you know, be um, career government officials and also uh, maybe doing something medical-wise at, at Johns Hopkins or, or what have you. Uh, as a community, we are about maybe a little over 300,000 as a county. So chamber-wise, we have about 630 members, um, including myself. It's six of us on staff. And so I've uh, been around organizationally. Uh, I think we're in our maybe 52nd, 53rd year. And so um, budget-wise, we are we sit somewhere around about maybe around 950000 close to a million dollars. Okay. Well, that does help give some perspective, um, both, you know, where you are geographically in Maryland, um, but also the size of your chamber and um, what what type of chamber do you guys do economic development? Do you do tourism and just chamber? What what type of chamber? So we do just chamber. One of the things I think that perhaps many of the listeners will find maybe of interest or, or unique, depending on where you are. Maryland is probably, and, and what I found, so as it was mentioning, I, I ran a chamber in DeKalb County, Georgia. Um, you know, now, I guess, gosh, that term ended, I guess, about sometime in 2014. And, you know, so I would say when you get kind of Richmond, Virginia, south to the southwest, going into the Midwest, it's not uncommon for chambers to do economic development. It's not uncommon for even chambers to maybe have their tourism program or even sometimes a leadership program. Whereas what I found that's been interesting is probably Richmond, Virginia, north, uh, particularly as you get into Maryland, uh, very few chambers here do economic development and tourism. Um, and a lot of places, even the leadership programs are separate. Our leadership program here started as a part of our chamber sometime in the, maybe the mid 80s and then kind of spun out on its own 
I guess may have been in the 90s or something. So we still have a close relationship with uh, leadership of Howard County, with Howard County Tourism, our Economic Development Authority. But as a chamber itself, we, we just do, we're just the chamber. All right. Well, that does help. Well, I find this uh, our topic for today's is intriguing. Obviously, you know, across the country, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion is kind of top in mind, top of mind for uh, most chambers. I would say across the country, um, we're going to take a little twist to the the standard approach of DE and I, uh, and we'll we'll get into this discussion as soon as we get back from this quick break. Are you looking for a year-round, affordable, and timely shop local campaign for your chamber or CVB? Look no further. Build a custom Eat Shop Play mobile app with App My Community by visiting appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat. App My Community mobile apps are not just simple membership directory listings. They provide many more capabilities to engage with your community. Provide your residents with a robust events calendar, Partner with a local fair, festival, or farmer's market to provide a schedule, map, and other resources to promote the event. Run a small business Saturday campaign any time of the year using built-in scavenger hunts. Allow your membership to communicate directly to their customers via push notifications. Your App My Community mobile app will be a unique member benefit, allow you to generate non-dues revenue with sponsorship opportunities, and best of all, provide a valuable resource to your community. Please visit appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat now to receive 10% off your first year of an App My Community mobile app. All right, Leonardo, we are back. So for our discussion today, talking about DE&I with a twist. And I, uh, I've been wanting to cover this topic for some time and, and a lot of episodes we've touched on it, but we haven't had, you know, this be the, the main focus, but, um, I'm excited to have you with me today to, to talk about this, this topic from your perspective, what is, what does D and I with a twist mean to you? What, maybe just uh, in general D and I, and then we'll add the twist on, you know, a little bit later. So, so typically when you talk about D&I or, or diversity, equity, and inclusion, obviously you're talking about it from the lens of particularly you're taking into account maybe gender, race, and ethnicity. You're talking about perhaps sexual orientation, um, but it, it's normally those facets. Um, certainly some might even weave in perhaps if you're differently abled or, um, or maybe even... Um, um, there's another one that escapes me, but that's generally when people talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion. When I think about it with a twist, I think it's adding other components to it in a sense of, particularly from a chamber perspective, recognizing that one, we either are charged with serving a city, multiple cities, a county, sometimes you know a state. And so we've got to take into account all of these other facets and sometimes maybe that's geographic location. Maybe that is the size of business. Um, maybe even in this age, maybe it's age. It's, it's ultimately trying to be, you know, trying to recognize that they're just all of these different components. And that at the end of the day, I like to say, people like to be able to identify with folks that look like them and look like them 
can mean a lot of different things. It doesn't always mean, you know, a, a, again, that I identify because it's a male speaking, but maybe it's the fact that it's a, it's a small business owner and I run a small business. And so that's kind of the, the twist component. Oh, I think that's great. Um, <clears throat> as we get into this topic, you know, I, I see whether it's the media, culture, whatnot, um, the world loves to put labels on people, right? And uh, to your point, I think as we you know look in, in programming or even speakers for different events, uh, your participants that are there, they they would like to hear from somebody that they can relate to, somebody who's walked in their shoes, somebody who sees the world in a similar way as they do. Um, but I think a lot of this also goes to kind of what the, the purpose of your chamber is, what that you know ideal goal is. Because I think in the end, most chambers aren't looking at the world through the lens of, you know, we've got 16 different groups of people, but we have one business community. You know, we're trying to, to further the, the development of our community. We want to um, bring people together rather than divide. But I think part of that, uh, to your point, is in order to, to bring people together, you have to have some of these segments to say, look, this person's part of this greater organization, and they're like you in these you know, ways. Is that kind of how you, that, that's how I see it as you're explaining it? No, no, it is. I think if, if anything, perhaps maybe another way of saying it and maybe even easier way is saying truly being able to answer the question, who is missing? You know, yeah. we, we like to say in the chamber world that we are the voice of business. <laughs> and, and so if you're the voice of business, how can you be the voice of business if, if not all business is there? And, and so I, I think about it as an example, you know, a few years ago, we were doing um, our, what we called our vision for 2020, which is a three-year strategic plan at the time. And one of the things that we recognize as an example in, in Howard County, uh, we are a very diverse community. And yet, as a chamber, we didn't have necessarily that much diversity. I mean, yeah, we had, um, and this is getting into the more traditional stuff, but yeah, we had, you know, white businesses and black businesses and we had you know women and men and what have you but specifically as a community i would say we probably have you know four distinct kind of ethnic groups if you will you know we've got white black but then we've got specifically a, a large indian population and a large asian population and so much so that there's double it's double digits across the four and then if you go and start breaking down Asian into, you know, whether that's Korean, Chinese, what have you, um, and so forth. But we said, well, we don't have a lot of the other parts of the business community represented. And then it was kind of why, you know, so then it became a case of just trying to be more intentional about first, let's, let's try to reach out to these other groups. And we started doing a multicultural networking event, just of nothing else to create a safe space for people that, because what we ended up finding when we spoke as an example to, I think it was one of the Korean groups, they had members that wanted to move beyond just doing business just amongst themselves, particularly if they were second generation and maybe felt some hesitancy as to how do I quote, penetrate 
the larger business community. We had other members in the larger, more, I guess you could say, monolithic chamber that had interest in other populations. And again, everybody's trying to figure out, well, how do I get invited to their dance? (laughs) And so we said, okay, well, you know what? Let's create a dance that we invite everybody to. And so we did the first mixer where we had um, a couple of Indian groups. We had like the Korean society. We had our tourism partner. We had, I think, the Hispanic chamber. We had the uh, Maryland LGBTQ chamber. Um, We probably had about 100 plus people there. And it was truly kind of this melting pot thing. And so I think, you know, uh, again, with that, it was one, just recognizing that first and foremost, to your point, if we are about, and as we talk about offline, if our job is to promote commerce, to promote industry, be job creators, increase the tax base, be that true advocate for private industry, private enterprise, then, and if we're going to say on our business cards and mission statements that we're the voice of business, how can we truly be that voice if not everybody has a seat at the table? Absolutely. And you hit on so many great things there. I was thinking, uh, you know, a lot of chambers do a really good job at highlighting the women in business and they have a great programming around women in business. Um, and I think we're seeing more and more of an effort to reach out to other other demographics that fit within business ownership. Um, but when you talk about who's missing, you know, if uh, I'm in Texas, you know, and in Texas, we get a lot of Hispanic populations. And a lot of times you don't get a whole lot of the Hispanic business owners as members of the chamber. Um, maybe they don't see the value proposition. They don't, I don't know, you know, what all the reasoning is necessarily behind all of it, but you had mentioned about, um, these different segments wondering, how do I get invited to their dance? And it made me wonder, you know, are, are most of these people asking, how do I get invited or do I even want to be invited? Like, where are they on that spectrum? Yeah. Of, yeah is this for say, me? What does it has? For? Yeah. Go ahead. And, and I would say that it's probably a little bit of both. I mean, and, and I think, you know, I've used this other analogy at times, you know, we may not ultimately increase our membership amongst these other diverse populations. But I I say sometimes it's one thing for me to stand on the front steps of say, of my porch and to say, hey, you know, the door is open, come in. And then you have a choice on whether or not you wanna come in or not. It's another thing for me to sit inside the living room and the door is open and I just kind of say, well, you know, the, the door is open but I haven't necessarily invited you in. I, you haven't seen me to say, look, come on in, you're welcome. Yeah. And I think if nothing else, I think that's one of the big things in which, um, you know, at, at different times with some groups where when, the, when they kind of are wondering, do I really want to be invited? It's a case of, you know, have we created as a general chamber an atmosphere where we actually say, look, you're welcome, and we'd love to have you. And, and I've, I've got a board member. She's actually going to be my chair next year. And I, it was interesting when she first interviewed and she, you know, to come on the board, one of the things she talked about was sometimes that um, that perception that we deal with as chambers, 
in, in the sense of maybe not being open, you know, and in some cases to just, you know, the other, whether small businesses or groups that haven't been necessarily in the know or in the loop. And, and, and so she challenged us to create an even more welcoming environment. And she even says, hey, if I'm on the board, I see chamber events much like a dinner party at my house. And if I'm at, if you if I invite you to my home, I'm going to walk around to all the guests saying, hey, look, how are you doing? Can I get you anything else to drink? Can I get you something else to eat? Are you, are you fine? Are you comfortable? And she was like, we have to create that same type of atmosphere when people come to our events, as opposed to, as a previous chair said, when he used to be involved in the chamber, and he said, I would go to these events and a joke would be told and other people knew the punchline and I did. Yeah. And, and so, <laughs> um, you know, so I think it's just one of those being, you know, conscious of our perceptions and whether they're real or not, constantly having to fight, you know, the perception. I mean, I think I've even written a couple pieces here as an example when I would hear, oh, the chamber still has all been. And it's like, well, have you seen our website lately? That, you know, we've got about a 32 member board and literally half of them are women, you know, and it's like, you know, it's not that, and I think I titled the piece that not your, cha- not your father's chamber or something yeah. to that effect, you know, so I think we have to just tackle some of these perception issues head on to really try to, um, to change. Because I think that lastly, as we look at particularly um, millennials and especially you know, Gen Z, they are truly all about looking for inclusive organizations and seeing who's being left out. And as we all, you know, fundamentally, as we strive to grow as an industry and as we try to grow our respective chambers, I think we have to be conscious that it's going to be hard to attract the younger generation if they see us being standoffish or perhaps not being open-minded to alternative thoughts and, and so forth. Absolutely. And for me, the the big takeaway is being able to kind of have that outreach to these business owners of, of different diverse backgrounds and sharing the messaging that the chamber is for them, that you have value to offer to them. And let me show you how, you know, and then tying it in somehow that's relatable to them that they can see, oh, there's other people like me. There's other people that, that I can relate to. And it's not just an exclusive, you know, membership for, for whatever the, the perceived, you know, yeah. uh, vision is and, from that business owner. And, and, and Brandon, I think the, the other P that's key is that the thing that they have in common is that, hey, we own a business. <laughs> we employ people. We have payroll to make. We all you know, get taxed. We, yeah. <laughs> we, right. And, and, and so, you know, so I think, you know, if anything, it's kind of, you know, trying to bring out that, look, you know, at, you know, at the foundational levels, this is what we have in common, you know, that we all are struggling to, to make sense of some of the stuff that's taking place, whether it's in the regulatory environment or just dealing with supply chain issues or labor shortages or, or what have you. And we can learn from each other. Yeah. There's a lot of issues that affect all of us and it doesn't matter where you are in the community. It affects all of us as if you're a business owner. Um, 
so you had shared the example of, of having your the multicultural networking event. Has there been other successful outreach opportunities that, that you guys have had there that might be good to share with others listening? The other thing that I would say that's probably that we've done um, is I have internally this little matrix when we go through our board nomination process. And it's kind of just an informal tool that I use. Again, getting back now we're factoring in this twist component where I'm literally writing down everything from, you know, the, obviously you got the, you know, the person and it's easy to determine whether or not they're, well, I'm going to say, rephrase the statement. <laughs> um, but, you know, you've got, you know, you, you've got the, the gender element, then we may have an ethnicity piece, but then I'm writing down, are they a small business, mid-sized business, or, you know, are they small business? Where are they located in the county? Um, even down to now, we're looking at what's their um, their age group. And, and so we've been fortunate that we don't necessarily deviate from our process. Our process is our process. But at the same time, we're at least conscious of, okay, if we're bringing on five or six board members, you know, are we bringing, you know, bringing in maybe three men and two women or two women and three men, you know, are we bringing in, wow, okay, we've got a couple of boomers here. We've got a millennial, we've got two Gen Zers. You know, um, one of the things um, I was sharing is just the fact that people like to be able to, you know, have something that they can relate to the other person. And so sometimes when people look at the board and if they're folks that they respect, in the community and the business community. And if you're younger in your career, and you say, wow, she looks like she's about my age. Or we went to college together. How does she get on the board? Or what have you, you at least feel like, okay, well, you know what? I there I don't have to wait until maybe I'm, you know, at this level within the company or or what have you before I have an opportunity maybe to be on the chamber board. So so it's it's those things that I've I've been really proud of over the, about the last five or six years that we've been very conscious on is again constantly asking that question, who's missing? In some cases it's an industry. Like we recognized last year when we went for, I guess it was earlier this year going through our process, because our, our board development piece, people come on the board effective June 1. And so we were looking at earlier in the spring and we recognized, okay, we don't have any restaurateurs on the board. And so when we brought this one board member on, she was what I call the threefer. <laughs> she was a woman, <laughs> she was a small business, and she was a restaurateur. So, and technically she's probably a Gen Xer. Whereas, you know, when we brought our YPN rep on, he was a guy. He's, I think, maybe Pacific Asia. He's AAPI. Um, he's a millennial. You know, so he's, I mean, so it wasn't necessarily that we were trying to fill these slots. It's just the fact that, you know, we had criteria. People met the criteria. They were in certain roles within the chamber already. And when we went back and looked at them, we said, wow, we met all of these different goals. And so for me, it's just a case of actually charting it and something I think you heard me say offline, it's being intentional. I mean, I think um, 
heard the saying, you know, what gets measured gets done. And so I think actually measuring, you know, where we are. And, and lastly, what I would say is, you know, in some communities, you may not have as much ethnic diversity, but you've got diversity in terms of where your businesses are located. You've got diversity in terms of how you, the size of business or maybe the type of industry. You know, I think we've all heard it if you've been in the chamber industry for a while. And here's, I think for me, I've got now almost, I guess, about 17 years in the business. And you'll constantly hear, oh, chambers are just for the big guys. Well, 78, 70, 80% of our members probably have 25 employees or less. Yeah. And so if you're dealing even with just that stigma alone, okay, well, then let's take a look at who do I have speak and where? Um, who's on my board? You know, am I addressing kind of the stigmas? And again, it doesn't always have to be around, you know, racial components. It could be around, again, industry, business size, geography, what have you. So I love the great examples you shared, for sure. I love the the age component that you bring into it. And I think it it cuts both ways. You know, there's other young professionals that see, oh, this, you know, I relate to this person. But then you have the older generations that can see this younger generation say, you know, I thought these were just people lived in their mom's basement, but this person knows what they're talking about, you know, it breaks down those stigmas. And I, I love that. When you talk about being intentional and like who speaks, um, how do you, do you incorporate that into the outreach somehow? So if somebody's not a member, but you have a, a young professional to try to open that up and invite some business owners that are younger? How, how do you go about that? So for us, it kind of depends on the topic. And well, I would say a couple of things, the topic and the type of opportunity it is. So for instance, if we're doing a small business seminar, we really like to focus that within the chamber and to see, do we have someone or multiple people that have this level of expertise and, and start there? If it's one of our conferences, like we do, for instance, um, a cyber conference that this year, I think is in year 10, we do a women's leadership summit that's now and maybe going on year seven. We do, um, this year was our first year, we did a YP summit um, for young professionals. And so as an example, in all three of those, we've actually had plenty of, we've had some members, but we've also had plenty of non-members to speak. On the conference side, we really want, because we look at it as a conference, we want to get the best and brightest. And for the women's leadership conference in particular, we do a call for speakers. And part of it is because there, we, uh, this is the second year we've done this, I think, we've allowed people to self-certify um, through, say, for instance, their professional development affiliations like SHRM and I think might have been uh, APA and a few others. And so there were certain parameters that the speakers had to be able to address when they responded. And so in that case, it was open that we cast a wide net because it was more about delivering value and the fact that we, we knew people would be able to leave with continuing ed units and there was a certain criteria we had to meet. Um, but even still, we chose, we tried to have some topics that maybe would lend themselves to certain groups. And 
it just it, it worked out this year again that we had just a multifaceted group of speakers and, and so forth. That is great. Um, so I know we need to start wrapping up here. We're starting to get a little bit long, but I wanted to see if you have any uh, tip or action item, maybe based on our discussion today that you can put out there to help other chambers listening to, to take their chamber up to the next level. The, the biggest thing, and this speaks across the board, is I think um, constantly challenge yourself. You know, the one thing that I think COVID has done for anyone running anything, <laughs> whether you're a small business owner, a not-for-profit executive, corporate executive, but we've all had to challenge ourselves in some respects to think differently um, as to how we solve problems, as to how we move forward. And I think that's the one thing that um, I would say as you deal with things, whether it's in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space, or just overall programmatically, just challenge yourself to, to think differently. Um, and, and thinking differently might mean, okay, who do I need to talk to or reach out to that maybe I haven't done so in the past? Um, and, and even in some cases, you know, don't be afraid to lean on the I'm new yeah. or it's, or it's, hey, it's a new day. And the fact that, hey, I know we haven't worked together before, but it's a new day and we, we probably have similar interests. How can we work together? Um, so that's the big thing I would say is we have to constantly challenge ourselves to do things different. I love that answer. Now, as we look to the future of Chambers, how do you see the future of Chambers and their purpose going forward? I think, you know, continually, I think our, our, our future, I think, continues to be bright. I think um, the one thing, the one place that I think we can really stand to um, continue to leverage is the fact of, um, of being that convener. Um, I think you and I talked about right now, we're in a place where certainly divergent opinions continue to diverge. And as a chamber, oftentimes we've had to play the role of Switzerland. Right. <laughs> so I think that we can continue to be that piece that really for the betterment of our business communities to try to, I mean, we, we have to be the one to be the level-headed one and to bring multiple parties and factions together. And um, and I think the more that we can do that, we can continue to generate um, value for our members. Um, the other thing, and I think you did a, a podcast on this already, but I think also moving beyond just events and thinking about those and, and really getting into that economic and community development space, particularly maybe when it deals, when it comes to advocacy, we, we don't necessarily have to be the economic development entity to actually be an economic development. Public policy and advocacy and how it impacts um, business is economic development. So. Absolutely. Whether or not you have that official responsibility or not, there's a role, I think, for every chamber to, to play in economic development and, and advocacy for their businesses. But Leonardo, I've enjoyed this discussion with you. This has been a lot of fun. I wanted to give you an opportunity to share any contact information for anyone listening who'd like to reach out and connect with you. What would be the best way for them to do that? Yeah, they could always reach out, <clears throat> excuse me, reach out to me via email. Uh, my email address is L M C C L A R 
T is in Tom Y at howardchamber.com. Um, alternatively, you can just look up howardchamber.com and go to the staff section and you'll see my smiling face and email address. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We will get that in our show notes for this episode as well, which will be found at chamberchatpodcast.com slash episode 151. But Leonardo, thank you so much for spending time with me today here on Chamber Chat Podcast. I feel like you brought a lot of value and uh, really a lot of action items that, that Chambers listening can take back into their communities to be more diverse and to really bring people together under the, the whole mission of the Chamber and being that sane center moving forward. So thank you so much for that. Well, thank you for what you do to expose others to the Chamber profession. And, and certainly thank you for having me. If you are a Chamber professional, please subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. When you subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast, new episodes will show up in your podcast app each week as they are released. If you're finding value in this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review in iTunes. But most importantly, please share Chamber Chat Podcast with your colleagues that are in the industry. Would you be interested in creating even more value from the processes that you're already doing on a daily basis? Swipe It has been one of my sponsors for Chamber Chat from the beginning. Swipe It provides credit card payment solutions that will save your chamber up to 40% on your processing fees, and Swipe It can integrate your credit card processing seamlessly into your existing membership software. Swipe It does not charge chambers to switch, and they will make switching simple. In addition to these savings, Swipe It has an affinity program for Chambers of Commerce, so you can earn more non-dues revenue to support your budget. Learn more about Swipe It by requesting your free cost savings analysis and become more profitable today by visiting chamberchatpodcast.com slash cc, as in credit card. Again, that's chamberchatpodcast.com slash cc, and you can join many other chambers as you begin swiping with Swipe It.